Welcome to Spring the Beacon with Ryan Rieger. Today we're playing Lego, and Daddy has other dice stay on my play Lego. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger. Today we have a guest. His name is Jeff Clark. He is definitely no stranger to the Jim Cochran community. Uh, He's never been a guest on my podcast, although he's a good friend of mine and I've known him since about 2013. So um, it's been too long and I'm glad to have him on and I'm sure he'll be on again. He is a wealth of information. So he was working in a factory. The Lord told him to quit his job. He and his wife were going to be going into a book um, writing, editing, um, but that didn't work out. So they, he, was, he focused on his superpower, which was selling physical products on eBay and Craigslist. He's got a fascinating story of how he uh, got started and what he's doing. Um, he is a master of eBay. He's got 1,400 listings right now. And he just he knows how to sell vinyl records, about anything really. Uh, but it's just so many golden nuggets in this episode. I asked him what he would do if he started over with $0. So that's an awesome, he has an awesome answer for that. So I literally got an email two days ago from somebody that asked me how to get started with no money and they wanted to start a business. So um, that question was for them and all the other people that I get that uh, question uh, from. But uh, Jeff is awesome. So much knowledge that was uh, dropped in this episode and really cool story about um, how God restored to him. So you'll have to listen to that. Here is my interview with my friend, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, thanks for coming on Streams of Income with me. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. This is great. Of course. I can't, I can't believe this is your first time on here. We've known each other since, gosh, the like CES. A long time. <laughs> the second CES, which I'm amazed, by the way, that you still came to that. Um, we can get yeah, into that if you want me to. Me too. Um, <laughs> it was amazing. So thank you for all you do. You're uh, a blessing to all of our community and uh, a good friend. So let's... Uh, Let's jump into your story. I love hearing people's stories. What's really cool about these episodes is like I get somebody like you who I feel like I've known a really long time, but I don't really know mm-hmm. your backstory, like how you got involved in e-commerce and sure. everything that you're doing. So tell me about you and your business journey. Okay, cool. So um, I worked in factories for 20 years and um, my wife and I had seven kids. And so, you know, it was the it was a blessing because the last factory I worked at was really good, uh, a really good income. And so it allowed her to stay at home with the kids, homeschooling the kids, you know, and um, doing the, you know, the Ozzy and Harriet lifestyle as best we could, you know. But um, around, I'm going to say 2006, like, you know, the Lord started working on my on my spirit saying, hey, you know, I I want you to quit your job and become an entrepreneur. Wow. And I said, I think you're getting senile in your old age because that is that's not that's not my idea, buddy. <laughs> but of course, he was right and I was wrong, like always, you know. And he just started working things in me, you know, showing me yeah. things and just just changing my mindset, changing my heart, uh, because you know my dad had his own business and my wife's parents had their own business and. We didn't want that because we saw the ugly side of having your own business, right? So that was not our thing. So I knew when I said to my wife, hey, I think, you know, the Lord's telling me that I'm going to quit 
and we're going to be entrepreneurs. And she said, okay. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's the biggest confirmation right there, <laughs> right? <laughs> that yeah. is all I needed to hear to know that was definitely the voice of God and not just my, you know, my crazy brain. Yes. So anyway, he worked on me for a while. And one of the things that, uh, that I started at that time was selling on eBay. So I'd been buying on eBay since, I don't know, 1999, I think, okay. uh, maybe 2000. But anyway, um, 2006 is when I sold my first item on eBay. And so I was working at this factory that built really, really nice RVs, okay, really high quality. And at one day, I just noticed, okay, so like when we when we do a change up on the line, okay, like maybe we get a new, I don't know, a new design of something, you know, a microwave or whatever, or a, a switch on the panel or wh whatever it was that the old stock was pulled and was set on these shelves over here. So I said, Hey, what do you guys do with all that stuff on the shelves? They said, Oh, we just take it to the local auction house. I'm like, well, can employees buy it? They said, we don't care. Buy whatever you want. Um, so I'm like, I'm like buying stereo components for five bucks and selling them for 300 on eBay. <laughs> I'm buying these switches for a few cents and selling them for 18 on wow. eBay, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of them. Like, that last and that was my last year working at the factory i made 14 grand on ebay just buying rv parts right <laughs> <laughs> and i learned so many amazing lessons doing that like the lord showed me so so many cool things one of my favorite lessons was i, I bought this box full of wall border it was like 50 rolls of wall border okay oh. and i bought the whole box for five bucks brought it home to my wife and i said oh look at this i bought this for five bucks i'm gonna sell it on ebay and she goes you're insane that's the ugliest crap i've ever seen <laughs> and i unrolled it i'm like oh no she's right it is ugly. it's terrible <laughs> it was like a snot green color and it had these little spindly dragonflies on it and i'm like oh shoot she's right man i'm never gonna sell this stuff uh -huh. but i'm telling i sold that five bucks a roll and it just flew out of my house you know wow and People would write to me and, oh, this is so beautiful. I put it up in my dining room. And I'm like, lady, don't you ever invite me for dinner. I will throw up on your table. But <laughs> the lesson that I learned is if it's ugly to me, it's beautiful to somebody else. Yes. If it's disgusting to me, it's interesting to somebody else and vice versa. Okay. Mm. If I think something is beautiful, I think, well, of course I'm right. Everybody in the world thinks this is beautiful. Well, that's not true. You know? It's like, I, I like to tell the, uh, the example of, you know, you go to a restaurant and you order a shrimp cocktail, you pay 25 bucks for a shrimp cocktail. Okay. Yeah. And you know, some people just absolutely love it. I hate shrimp. I would not eat a shrimp cocktail if I had it for free. Okay. But other people think 25 bucks is a bargain for a shrimp cocktail. Well, I hate it. Okay. And that's just, it doesn't mean I'm right and they're wrong. They're right. And I'm wrong. It's just different tastes. Well, same thing with, you know, spindly dragonflies on snot green. That <laughs> was awful. But that lesson has stuck with me for the last, what, 16 years. Yeah. If I'm at a garage sale or an estate sale or anything mm -hmm. and something catches my eye and I think who in the world would want that? I'm grabbing it. Yeah. Because somebody out there wants that weird or ugly or odd or whatever thing. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was my last year at the RV place. I learned a lot of other lessons I could go into, but we'd be sure. here a long, very long time. Um, but it, it didn't connect with me. Like this melon is a little thick. It didn't connect with me that 
that that was my superpower. Mm. Okay. Like it should have been obvious right off the bat, mm -hmm. but my wife and I wanted to start our business editing and ghostwriting books. Okay. And so that's what we did. We dove right into it. I, I finally quit in July of 2007. Uh -huh. And, you know, it wasn't just a, just a win thing. It was like the Lord showed me all kinds of, you know, confirmation words and everything. It was just like, oh yes, this is the time to quit. Okay. Yeah. So we dove into it and we're writing stuff and we're editing and whatever. And we actually were really good at uh, being wordsmiths. Okay. But what we really sucked at was marketing ourselves <laughs> and charging what we were worth. Yeah. Okay. And that's, that's such a, such an important business lesson to learn, yes. but we didn't learn it. So we had some really, really scary lean years, like utilities getting shut off and, you know, foreclosure notice comes and the Lord yeah. gives provision. We're out of foreclosure and all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, the nail biting stuff, it was just horrible, but we worked through that. And of course I'm doing all kinds of other side hustles. I'm still selling on eBay and mm -hmm. Craigslist and whatever. I sold real estate on Craigslist. Wow. I'm not kidding. I have sold three times. I sold real estate on Craigslist. That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty awesome because I learned that what you need the license for is all the, the uh, paperwork, the closing paper and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Why well, didn't do any of that? All I did was marketing, right? Put the place up, do the pictures, uh, people contact me, I'll take them, do them a walkthrough. You know, if they make an offer, I connect them with the buyer, they, they negotiate whatever buyer and, and, and seller are connected with the seller, seller and buyer agree. And then I say, okay, I'm turning it over to and, and just let them work it out, you know, take them to a bank or whatever and all the paperwork they do. And all I do is collect my commission. That's awesome. Did you, how'd you find those buyers that were, the uh, first, how'd you find the sellers? Um, yeah, well, two of them were my sisters. That's awesome. <laughs> sisters wanted to sell their properties. And I said, Hey, why don't you let me sell it for you? Oh, okay. Oh sure. <laughs> that's so the that was highest level cool. of consignment right there. Somebody's, high. you know it, man. And that's a nice paycheck when it hits, right? Wow. <laughs> I also did. Um, I also did consignment for a guy in my town here. I'm in a little, town, 4,600 people, Northern Indiana guy in my town was closing his construction business mm -hmm. and he had a bunch of equipment, you know, big, heavy equipment. And I said, Hey man, let me, let me consign, let me sell it for you. So I'm selling like bulldozers, right. And backhoes and stuff. Wow. And honestly, it's all there's only a few hours work, go out and take the photos, do the research, write the listing yeah. again, field inquiries. And I'm selling these like on Craigslist, right? <laughs> uh, people, you know, contact me. Hey, I'm interested do a connection, they come up and pick it up and I collect, you know, a couple thousand bucks for a few hours work. That's wow. a good gig, man, that's a really good gig. Wow. So anyway, but my wife and I, primar our primary business is the editing and ghostwriting. And of course I'm doing selling on the side just to keep income flowing, right? And then she passed away, August of 2014. I remember. And I'm like, ah, really? <laughs> what? How is this going to work? You know, I can't do our business by myself. I'll just sit and cry on my keyboard all day. That's not going to work. Right. And so he said, well, you know, you're pretty good at this, at this selling thing. Why don't you make that your, your full-time deal? So literally, man, the week after, and I'll, I'll talk about uh, conference in a minute, but mm -hmm. the week after she died, I just went nuts going to stores, going to garage sales, going wow. to anything I could and just 
buying as much as I could and setting it up. And three months later, I had my first five-figure month in my life. Wow. And my first year was a six-figure year. First six-figure year I've ever had. My very first year, just as a one-man show. Wow. And I realized, oh, wow, this is what I was meant to do. Mm. You know, I had to get to 51 years old to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. (laughs) But... Anyway, that's when I started my group, Sources Apprentice, and started yeah. to, and that was under that was by Jim's uh, Jim Cochran's um, suggestion. He said, yeah. "Man, you should you should teach this. You should write a book. You should." Yes. So I wrote a book and started my group, and and he's just been the, the biggest biggest encouragement for that group. Yeah. But wow. speaking of Jim, um, so my wife uh, she had a brain hemorrhage last week of August in 14 and i had been planning on going to the conference which was the first week of september in 14. Mm -hmm. so she had the hemorrhage she goes to the hospital you know i called jim and i said man i'm sorry man i can't i just can't i can't come right and he said oh he says you know i I said either way however this goes you know whatever happens here i need to be here and he said buddy you know don't worry about it um he said just you know we'll we'll refund your ticket and just you take care of, of you and we're all praying for you. I said, oh, that was really cool. So um, she was in the hospital for like five days and then mm-hmm. um, she passed away. And my kids that night, my kids sat me down and they said, listen, dad, mom was so excited for you to go to Jim's conference. Yeah. You need to be there. We're okay here. There's nothing you can do for us here. We mm-hmm. want you to go. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I never would have, asked or even thought of this but mm-hmm. since you guys told me this i will honor your request yeah. and honor your mom by going so yeah literally literally ryan we had a graveside service mm-hmm. and me my son and one of my daughters drove from the cemetery 16 hours to dallas, Down to dallas. i'm not kidding i am I not kidding that. straight from the cemetery 16 hours straight to dallas Wow. And <clears throat> that was a beautiful thing. I mean, oh. Jim was Jim was so honoring with that and and that was really cool. And I got to meet Rabbi Lappin. Yes, so that was, that really was a cool, cool that was a really good CES. Oh my gosh, that was wonderful. Wow. You're coming to Little so right in a couple weeks? You know, I'm not this year. What? I've got, oh, no. I don't get my I know. This hug. is I know this is weird, man. This is the first conference that I will not be at since 2014. Um, but I, I'm doing I'm doing a lot of shifts and things. I've got a lot of new things going on, and I really just need to concentrate on those. And you know, I re- I mean, I really prayed about it because I love the conference. I love seeing the people. I love teaching on stage. And you know, one of the things that that went through my mind is I don't have a fresh message. Mm. You know, I can get up on stage. I can talk. I got no problem talking, you know, <laughs> but I feel like I'd just be rehashing the same thing that I've been saying year after year. And I really wanted something new to bring to the table. Yeah. And so, you know, I've got some new ideas. I've got some things going on. And uh, I decided this year I'm going to sit at home and, and just concentrate on things I need to concentrate on. And mm. next year I'll go with, uh, with a fresh perspective. Yeah. Mm. We're going to miss you. You're always, Oh man, I'll miss you guys too. It's hard. That was a hard decision. It was a really hard decision. We can go so many different directions. I don't know if you want to talk about what happened in CES in Indy in 2018, the restoration that God's brought to your life. That would be fun to talk about. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's let me ask you um, if you, 
if you had to start over again with zero dollars, you're let's say let's you go back to the times when you guys had your electricity shut off, and let's say oh, I, had, I literally got an email from somebody two days ago that said they want to start a business. They don't know what business to start. They've never had a business and they don't have any money to invest. Yep. Now that sounds like pretty, pretty tough situation, but mm-hmm. you and I both know that there's a way out of that. So put yourself in that position. You have no money to invest. I mean, obviously maybe you got some money in the bank account, but that's set aside for something else that you right bills. What would you do right now? If you had no money to invest, you can't even go to a garage sale and unless you borrow mm-hmm. some money from somebody, but let me hear what you would do with $0 to build a business. Sure. Sure. Um, well, everybody says, you know, start with things around your home and that is the easiest place to start because I am, I was just talking with somebody, uh, um, couple days ago, we had lunch sources apprentice member and he said something that really triggered me. He says, I believe that everyone has $5,000 worth of stuff in their home that they could sell right now. And you know, I think that's a, I think that's a valid figure. Yeah. Honestly. Um, and it's a matter of, it's a matter of, okay. The way I describe this business, it's super simple. You find people who have stuff they don't want, and then you find people who want stuff they don't have, mm. and you just bridge the gap between them. That's true. That's all you're doing. Okay. Yeah. So if the stuff is in your house, it's you. You're the person who has stuff you don't want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So all you need to do is find people who want that stuff, and learning things like, okay, I think this is that the spindly dragonflies are ugly, but somebody else is going to pay me money for them. Right? Maybe you got a box of ugly dragonfly stuff in your attic that your grandma had, you know, and you're like, well, I can't throw it away because it was grandma's, but I'm not putting it up in my house because it'll make me throw up. Right? Someone somewhere is going to love that. (laughs) So, learning that kind of stuff. um, Books, books are super easy to start with. They're like the easiest category on Amazon. That's probably because Amazon started as only books. Right. And um, amazingly, you know, this is like 25 years Amazon's been in business, more than that. And there are people today who still think, oh, you know, Amazon, that's a book place, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. What cave have you been living? But I still run into people like that. Yeah. Um, so Amazon is an easy place uh, to sell your books and everybody has books in their house, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I definitely start with things around your house and keep your mind open. Like, don't look at something and think, oh, nobody wants that. Okay. Look it up. Take the time to look it up. You're either going to discover that it will make you money or you will learn things that don't make you money. Either way, you're either gaining income or you're gaining education. Yep. Free I education. I have no idea what you just said there, there, look it up. What What do you mean by that and how do you look it up? Sure. Okay. So um, you can look things up on Amazon, eBay, whatever platform, you know, you're selling on, those are the two big ones, right? Like those are the two main ones that I saw. I saw on a bunch of other websites, but those two are, are the main ones. Mm-hmm. So um, on Amazon, let's say you've got a book, um, you type in the, the title, and then uh, you can scroll down to the, uh, the product details, and there's a rank there, bestseller rank. And what that means is, so in books, the number, rank number one is the best-selling book on Amazon mm. at that moment. Right. You know, now you wait an hour, and it might say it's number 57, 
okay, instead of number one. So it changes all the time, but it's a it's a reasonable you know measurement that you can use. It's not perfect. There are no measurements that are perfect, but this one it, it's it's pretty good. Okay, mm-hmm. so you and Amazon has tens of millions of books. So if you see a rank of one million, you know don't throw it away because you think it's no good. That's right. actually a decent rank in yeah. books. Okay, yeah. now in other things like in you know uh, washing machines you're not going to see a rank of 1 million because maybe they've only got a few thousand on Amazon. So rank is subjective to whatever thing you're looking up. But let's stick with books for a second. So you see a half decent rank. You think, okay, you know, well, people are buying this. All right. However often, I don't know, once a day, five times a day, 500 times a day. I don't know, you know, but the rank is a general measurement you can use to see if something is selling because what you want to know you want to understand supply and demand okay that that's your basic business you know people who have stuff they don't want people who want stuff they don't have it's mm-hmm. supply and demand that's all it is okay mm-hmm. so you have a rank you see a decent rank then you can look at what other sellers are selling it for and get an idea of what kind of price you can ask for it a lot of books go for pennies you know and you're not going to make a lot of money but you'll see books that are going for you know 10 bucks 15 bucks 20 bucks 50 bucks some of them Mm -hmm. and uh with books the the weirder the more narrow niche the title um you know the the better it's going to sell uh one of the one book that i sold really really early on that just shocked me i bought it for a dollar at an estate sale about a half mile from my house Uh and within a few months i sold it for 285 bucks and the title was how to tailor suits and it was written in 1953 now your brain looks at that and goes 70 year old book on tailoring suits that's trash right get rid of it right? right But there's several factors going in here. Number one, how big is the market for suit tailoring? Not really big, okay? If you have a book that, that appeals to everyone, it's going to appeal to no one. <laughs> You're going to sell it for five cents. But you have a book that appeals to a few hundred people, and they're, they're and if it's valuable to them, they're willing to spend a lot of money on it. So I actually looked at, at the time, I actually looked up, I Googled um, tailoring suits and found like the global guild of suit tailors, whatever. And there were less than a thousand people in it. Wow. I'm like, okay, this is a really, really small group. So there's, there's that, you know, your, your audience is extremely small, but number two, the, uh, um, the information in this book is evergreen, okay? Like the, the technology of tailoring suits hasn't changed much in the last two centuries, right? Now, if you had a book on how to program a computer from 1969, yeah, that's trash, okay? <laughs> because <laughs> you because that's... I know that uh, that information is completely out of date, but if you saw that, would you saw that book at a garage sale, would you pick that up? Because maybe if I'm a computer programmer, I might be interested in that book. Or do you, you do honestly, because I, I, I don't know the answer. Um, right. Would you pick up that book or not? I probably would not pick okay. up that book. Okay. Um, now, if I found a computer from and 1985 or, oh, I'd jump all over that okay. because okay. there are geeks, collector geeks who love the old hardware, right? Okay. But they don't need to know how to program it. They just sure. like playing sure. with them. Okay. okay. Right. <laughs> but my point is, you know, it, some information like, you know, how to lose weight, 
there's millions of books and everybody's right. got a different opinion. Okay. Yeah. Um, programming computers will that changes, you know, through the, through the years, but tailoring suits, you know, that hasn't changed a whole lot. And whoever wrote this, you know, he must be a, a celebrity within the suit tailoring community. I never heard of this dude. Okay. <laughs> but there are celebrities in every niche. Yeah. Right. My son is a huge hunter. Okay, yeah. so there's, you know, Fred Bear and there's, you know, all these all these celebrity hunters. So you find vintage stuff by them. It's going to appeal to the hunting crowd. Okay, so right. I found this guy. I don't remember his name, but he appealed to the suit tailoring crowd. So my whole point there is the 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 narrower niche the book is the the uh, um, stranger <laughs> the subject matter, you know, you're probably going to sell this for for really good money. Um, oh my gosh, I've sold so much. I've sold narrow niche things like one. So one of my biggest categories is vinyl records. Okay. I literally, I make five figures a year just in vinyl records. Wow. Nothing else. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and I've actually sold one of the things I love to do is find a record that uh, for an artist that no one has ever heard of. I can't find anything online anywhere. I can't find it on Amazon, eBay, uh -huh. Discogs, which I can talk about that. It's a, it's a music geek site. I can't find this artist anywhere. Well, I love that. Okay. <laughs> Cause I'll create a listing and I'll think, you know what? There are 15 people in the world that have heard of this artist. <laughs> Someone's going to buy this. I've wow. sold records to the children of the artist to the grandchildren of the artist. I sold one record to the artist herself. Wow. I'm not kidding. It was a 1982 record and it uh -huh. was some lounge act. Okay. Everybody's okay. in tuxedos and the guy's uh -huh. got the string bass and the piano and the yeah. lady with the flowing gown is draped across the piano and everything. Yeah. And it was like Roberta and her, you know, continental five or what, whatever it was. Wow. And the record said Roberta and her continental five play at the international grand ballroom in blah, 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 California, whatever it was. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I thought, somebody 40 years ago saw Roberta and her continental five and they're going to want this record. So I put it up on eBay and the person that bought it was named Roberta. Oh my goodness. And her address was like within a 45 minute drive of whatever town this was. So I wrote to her and I said, Roberta, is this you? And she says, yes, my 80th birthday is coming up and this oh is my her goodness. birthday celebration. Oh my That's God. Amazing. My kids. Oh, Roberta, you seem so pretty. Uh, you know, wow. Okay. <laughs> so so that's cool. fascinating that you would, um, so most people, I mean, I'm not an eBay expert like you at all, right? but, um, most people will look at an obscure record. They would uh, look up on eBay, go to the, the sold listings. And if it wasn't there at all, they'd be like, yeah, this is probably not worth anything because it's never sold before. Sure. Um, but you take the opposite approach and say, somebody's interested in this. Um, that's cool that you just like, yeah, yeah. And I used to do the same thing. You know, I'd look something up and if I couldn't find information, well, nobody wants it, toss it, you know? Um, but I, I've discovered that, and not everything sells that way. You know, I have some things that I, that I list and they haven't sold yet. They may still, I even, Ryan, I got, a, <laughs> I even, I even sell records of like college choirs and high school bands. Uh huh. Literally. I've put those up and I've sold those. 
to wow. you know somebody that graduated the high school and they were in that choir wow. they okay, were in that band question. or whatever. how do you know if it's never sold before then you have no frame of reference i mean you're a vinyl expert so you you know but like let's say i found something obscure at a garage sale tomorrow i go to a garage sale mm -hmm. and find something that's obscure i can't find it on ebay at all how in mm -hmm. the world do i know what to price it at sure that is a great question um a lot of times i'll just pull a price out of the air you know mm -hmm. um but you can so let's say you look up an item let's say you find a, a an, an antique radio okay mm -hmm. and you look up the the brand name and the model number and you get nothing okay well now you can broaden your because you want to start with a really narrow search to get an idea of exactly what you have okay well that didn't turn up anything so let me try removing the model number and just having the brand name radio and if I do that, then maybe I get, you know, 400 listings to choose from. Oh, that's yes. too much. Okay, so I want to narrow it down, but not with the model number. So maybe I'll put in uh, tube radio, because maybe it's one of the tube kind of things, mm -hmm. right? Or maybe I'll put in Bakelite, if it has a Bakelite, you know, uh, uh, chassis on it. Or maybe I'll put in uh, AM, FM shortwave. Maybe it's a shortwave. And so any descriptors you can put in, just keep, keep broadening your search little by little until you find something that you can compare it to. Yeah. Okay. okay. Now, and then the comparisons you're looking at, it's not the exact same thing, you know? Sure. So like I find uh, whatever Jacksonville high school record from 1970. Okay. I find nothing on that. Right. So let's just try high school uh, concert band 1970 and see what we get. Nice. And then I might find, you know, four or five and it'll be different, you know, high schools in different States. But now I have an idea of what yeah. these kinds of things sell for. Okay. And if I'm seeing a price range of, you know, 10 to $20, then I might go, okay, well, I'm going to start at the high end. I'm going to start at 20 bucks mm -hmm. and I can always come down, you know, if, if it doesn't sell for a while. Mm -hmm. um, really good example of that was uh, a few years ago, I went to a garage sale outside of town and they had this really, really cool book. It was, gosh, it was maybe uh, 12 by 10 mm -hmm. and it had kind of a black not really leather, but, but not paper either, almost a cloth paper uh, mixture. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, the stitch binding, like with the gold, you know, thread type of binding. Okay. And it was full of color pictures, some photo, uh, I'm sorry, black and white photographs or, and color drawings from, it was a commemorative book from the St. Louis World's Fair in 1904. Mm. Really cool. Wow. Well, I couldn't find this book. I bought it for six bucks. I could not uh -huh. find this book anywhere online not like the google didn't even know it existed but what i did find was other st louis world's fair commemorative things okay and i found another souvenir booklet that was smaller and not as cool um but it had sold a few times for right around 30 35 bucks mm -hmm. so i'm calculating okay my book is bigger my book has more in it my book is way cooler I'm going to start high. Okay. I priced it at $92. <laughs> and I thought if I come down to 25, I'll be happy because I paid six. Right. right. right? <laughs> well, about three months later, it sold for $92. Wow. So, you know, when you're starting out, man, just, just go with your gut. Unbelievable. Okay. And, and it, uh, one, another factor in that is your patience level, mm -hmm. right? So I'm a pretty patient person. I don't mind putting something up and I'll wait, you know, a few years for it to sell. Okay. Um, one, uh, one indicator indicator that I use is if I'm looking at my inventory and I 
it makes me angry because it's been sitting there too long and it hasn't sold, then I'm getting rid of it because I don't want to be angry. Right? <laughs> right? Yes. If I look at something and I think, oh, one day that's going to sell and it's going to make me a hundred bucks. Uh-huh. And, and I'm happy to say that I'll walk right past it. Yeah. But if I look at something, I think you jerk, why haven't you sold yet? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab it, <laughs> toss it in the goodwill pile and, and end the listing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> because, because the business isn't just about the money that I can possibly make. It's also right. about the joy that the business brings me. And if that oh. stupid thing isn't bringing me joy, it's out of here. Yeah. <laughs> right? wow. How much stuff do you have sitting around that hasn't sold yet? Um, wow. That's kind of a difficult question. Um, I mean, my inventory is, is pretty large. Um, <clears throat> and there are some things that sell crazy quick, just, just crazy quick. Yeah. Um, and it's not always a matter of, of price either. Yeah. You know, people think, oh, well, if it hasn't sold, that means your price is too high. Or if it sold quick, that means your price is too low. Nope. That is not true. Right. I, I'm telling you it's not true. After 16 years of yeah. selling stuff online, I can tell you that is not true. It's not just a matter of price. Um, example of that, two years ago, um, my wife and I went to a, uh, yep, I'm remarried, which I can talk about that in a minute. We went to a, a thrift shop uh, close by here. And I looked around the thrift shop and they had discount signs on everything. So what does that tell me? That tells me they're motivated to get rid of stuff. So I'm going to be able to do some negotiation here. Okay, this is going to be fun. So walking around, looking around, and I saw a lot of seven um, antique coffee pots. Well, I love selling coffee pots. It's one of my favorite things to sell. Mm-hmm. And they have various prices on them. So I went up to the lady. I said, I'll give you 50 bucks for all seven coffee pots. She goes, oh, that would be wonderful. Okay. So I take the coffee pots. So they're basically, they're $7 a piece, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. One of them was this gorgeous glass globe thing and hand painted and electric and all this stuff. And it was dated 1912. Okay. My, my eBay lister put that listing up and it sold in six hours for 425 bucks. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Now try to convince me I priced it too low. Right. <laughs> or she priced it too low, right? No, it was not priced too low. It just, it happened to be listed at the time that someone was looking for that item. Wow. And the lady wrote to me and said, this is so beautiful. I can't believe you had this. I, I've been mm. looking for this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm like, thank you. You just made my electric payment. <laughs> We're on sale. Yahoo. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, um, Okay, what was that, what was I getting back to? Where uh, I was asking you about uh, how much stuff you have that hasn't sold. Um, that you yes, around the yes, house there. stuff that hasn't sold. Um, listing things, and they sell quick. Oh, I had another had another point I was going to make. Uh, so, stuff that I have around here. Wow, I, I don't even know how to quantify it. Any idea know, of dollar how many figure? Or, oh, sure, I've got. Um, I currently have about 1,400 listings wow. on eBay. My goodness. Yeah. Um, but again, some of them sell super quick. Yeah. Uh, so um, I would say the oldest ones probably go back about three years. Okay. So you have 1,400 items sitting around your house. I mean, I know you have a designated area, I'm sure, right? For, right. Oh, yeah. For yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And room or garage or storage? Oh, garage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've got a garage and, um, 
what, what I did with so many items, um, what I did is, is I created a, a, a bin system. Okay. So I've got like Rubbermaid tubs yeah. with numbers on them. And then I've got uh, a kitchen and household area. And then I've got an electronics area. Yeah. And then, of course, I have books and records, which aren't in tubs. They're on bookshelves, you know, alphabetical by, wow. uh, by title. Um, records are alphabetical by artists, that kind yeah. of thing. That's awesome. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've, I see your posts and I'm sure you maybe have done this, but that's incredible content. Like for um, the new group that you're in coming into with us with Greg Perry mm -hmm. and I, um, mm -hmm. that would be awesome to see your system because as people oh, sure. know, they're, they're like, like, what do I do with all this stuff? I certainly don't want right. it on my dining room table. I don't want it cluttering <laughs> my bedroom. Um, right. So how does a professional eBay or like yourself organize it so that, you know, you're, Diana doesn't go crazy. Um, right. <laughs> right. Let's talk right. about Diana. That because that's such a amazing story of God's restoration. It um, really is. And then I want to ask you about um then we want to talk about the Treasure Hunting Profits group. But um, okay. Diana's a sweetheart and you, you know that more than I do even. But uh just you know, tell 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 the people who don't know that story right. how God brought her into your life. Right. So um uh, so my wife passed away in 2014 and Diana's husband, who was part of, uh, the, the silent team group. And I met him in 2015 at the yeah. conference. Sweet, sweet man. I loved him so yeah. much. He passed away in 2018. And so Diana and her daughter Bailey came to the conference in 2018 and they actually asked me to take their picture. <laughs> So that was our first contact. Would you take our picture? Yes, ma'am. Sure will. Thank you so much. Oh, yes, by the way, you're day. hot. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there was no hotness between us at the time. It was just, hey, uh, Mr. Uh, she called me ugly cat guy because in my presentation, I talked about selling ugly cat. I had the picture of this horrible looking yeah. stuffed cat that I had sold for a stupid amount of money. Right. right. And so, so in her mind, I was ugly cat guy. Okay. <laughs> so ugly cat guy took my picture great that was it in 2018 yeah then in uh in 2019 um she came to the conference again bailey didn't come with her this time and um i'm doing my normal thing you know talking with people whatever and uh i saw her in the hallway uh -huh. and the lord kind of said hey why don't you ask her how she's doing wow and i'm like okay let me get this straight you want me to go talk to that beautiful widow and ask her how she's doing okay here are my lord send me yes i'll, I'll do that <laughs> okay so i just went over to her and i said pulled her aside and i said hey i've been meaning to ask you it's been at that point it'd been like a year and year and a half since her husband died and i pulled her aside and i said i've been wanting to ask you how are you doing and she just went <laughs> so the yeah. two of us sat down and our initial conversation was like two and a half hours wow um and just bared our souls to each other and i looked at my phone i'm like okay i'm speaking on stage in two minutes so i got to go <laughs> Right. So I ran, ran to my next session, but couldn't stop thinking about her. And yeah. so that weekend, we really, really connected. Wow. And yeah, it was like neither one of us were looking for a relationship. Okay. Yeah. For her, it had been, you know, a, a very short time mm. since her husband had passed. It had been longer for me. And I had just come out of a really, really bad relationship. So I was like, mm. you know what, Lord, 
I don't want another woman. <laughs> right. I, I don't. I really don't. Yeah. But he had better plans for both of us. Wow. So, I remember meeting. Yeah. She was at um, Kent Julian's Pay to Speak conference. Yes. In yes. In Atlanta. Time as yep. me. And that was September or October of 2019. Yep, and it was September. And she aside and told me that she had been talking to you. And I don't remember, I think at the time you guys were just friends, but it, she mm -hmm. felt like there could be more. If I remember oh, yeah. correctly, the conversation, yep. she was praying about what, she, she felt like there could be more beyond just a friendship, but she was said she was talking to you almost every single night uh, for mm -hmm. a long time. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. Mm -hmm. It was very cool. Wow. Yeah. Obviously, so yep. that turned into a marriage, and it's just so yeah. cool. he amazing. He is amazing. His plans are always better than ours. Wow, so so cool. All right, I want to talk. I mean, we could you and I could talk about our talk for hours. I could dig deep into sure. stuff, and I'm sure I'll have you on again um, because cool. just uh, just the gold that came out of this, as far as um, just what to look for at a garage sale and how you search for. Oh stuff. yeah. But, um, so big news this week is that you are joining Greg Perry and myself. It's mostly, I don't know why Greg Perry says it's Ryan's group. It's like <laughs> That's what he tells me too, but I, I see his face all over the place. Stuff. <laughs> um, he must just think that saying it's my group gives it more credibility or something. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, um, whatever. <laughs> but he, uh, he's, he's a master of providing content. He's prolific at it. Um, oh, but yeah. you are joining that group, which we're thrilled to have another perspective. So, um, yeah, so talk about that and just uh, how that came about real quick and we'll wrap it up. Sure. Okay. So I have my group, Sources Apprentice Group, uh, which I've had since 2015. Mm -hmm. And my YouTube channel where I show, you know, hey, I went to this auction. Here's what I got. And here's what I'm going to yeah. sell it for. And this is why, you know, I try to teach in there. But it's five minutes, seven minutes, ten minutes at a time. And Sources Apprentice Group is all free. So it's just, you know, hey, I sold this for 90 bucks and I got it for five and blah, 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 that kind of thing. And answer questions and whatever. And it's just really been weighing on me that I've got a lot of deep dive content mm -hmm. that is just, it's just not appropriate for a free group, you know? And I thought I really need a place to put this out and I could put out another course. Like I've done two video courses. I've written two books and I was thinking, you know, do I want to write another book? Do I put out another course, whatever. And it occurred to me that maybe what I needed was like a membership group where yeah. I could put up regular content. Okay. And uh, you and I had a conversation about that because I know that's one of your expertise is, is mm -hmm. uh, creating membership groups. So, you know, we had a very helpful conversation and I kind of chewed on that and prayed on it for a while. And, um, you know, I, I noticed, I think you may have said something about Greg Perry's group and I realized, wow, you know, Greg is really doing what I'm thinking of doing and he already has the infrastructure in place and he and I think a lot alike, like, you know, and not just in business, but even in life, right. we have really similar, you know, belief systems and similar principles. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, might be really cool. You know, it would save me from building from the ground up if I could join his group and it would benefit him because then he's getting double the content, you know, for his for his uh, people. And of course, I've got my audience that I can, you know, in, invite over there, too. Yeah. So um, I think that's going to be a really cool thing. And I've been uh, all this week, you know, I've been coming up with more ideas for for content for that. And I'm, I'm really excited. It's yes. going to be cool. Well, we are, too. And so if you guys want to join the new updated 
even better treasure hunting profits group. There'll be a link in the show notes um, for that. So Jeff, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Uh, just an honor to know you an honor to call you my friend. And it's so cool to see how God has blessed you and restored to you. And mm. um, amazing. Well, you're welcome. Well, much to say, man. I want to talk about anything that's on your heart or, you know, you know, eBay tactics, anything like that. You just let me know and we'll have you on. Cool. I appreciate it. I I really appreciate our friendship, too. I think a lot of you. God bless you, my friend. You too. Bye-bye, everyone. See you next week.